Warning, the following podcast contains mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Every person thinks they would never succumb to the addictions that litter this world. None of us realize just how easy it is to fall into the trap of addiction. We assume it would never seduce us, never impact us, never kill us. But we'd be wrong, deadly wrong. The following are the true accounts of just a small percentage of people who struggle with addiction issues. We are honored to share their stories. Welcome. 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 Welcome to Addicted. On this episode of Addicted, a jury room production, I'm excited that I have a woman by the name of Jessica. Now, her story is not a typical story of addiction, but it's definitely one that I feel like we should get out there. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Why don't you introduce yourself and kind of give us an overview of your story? Okay. Thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Jessica. I am in my 30s. I'm a woman in my 30s, and I have three kids ranging in age from 7 to 14. And uh, my addiction was a little different than your average story. And even when I was thinking about sharing my story with you, I was like, was this even a plausible? I mean, does this even relatable. And I think that my story is very relatable and can be something that many people can find themselves in without even knowing that they have an addiction. Now, is this addiction, was this something that you have struggled with your whole life? No. So I have not. This was actually, so since I was a teenager, I've been on medication for depression and anxiety and um, I need it. I still do. Uh, It balances me out. And Starting at around the age of 15, I think I was on medication for depression or anxiety. And it wasn't until 2012 that I added a medicine or really changed anything with my medication. So I was going to be flying cross country for work. And I went to my psychiatrist and I said, Hey, I'm afraid of flying. And I have this, you know, five, six hour flight. Is there anything that you, that you can do to help me? And they said, no problem. We'll give you something to take the edge off. And since I had a relationship with a psychiatrist already, it was an easier conversation to have. So they said, here, why don't you try lorazepam? And that is, I don't know if that's the actual name of Ativan or if it's vice versa. I never really know which one's which. But so lorazepam or Ativan, which is in the Xanax family. And the psychiatrist said, okay, just take one of these before your flight and, you know, make sure you have it, you take it before you get anxiety and then the flight will be easier. So prepared for the flight. And I took the first dose like a week before just to see how my body would react to it and went well. So I took it before my flight and it was great. It was fine. Took the edge off and I was good to go. And I did not find myself needing it any other time than just to, just to fly. I did not want to use this on a daily basis. It wasn't until 2013. So the next year that my world was flipped upside down. My husband of eight years and someone I had been with since I was um, in high school, he was having an affair and it was a long time affair. And I had 
I was none the wiser. That caused great anxiety and it just flipped my world upside down. At that time, I had two kids, four and two, and I was in a position where I did not know where my marriage was going to end up or my life was going to end up. So in a span of a week or two, I lost like 20 pounds and it was, it was just a crazy time in my life. So I went back to my psychiatrist and I said, Hey, I'm not feeling so hot. Things are hard, which life is hard, right? But you know, I had access to things that could help my, make my life a little easier. So I said, what can I do to help get through the situation? And she said, no problem. You're on depression medication. Up that and that anxiety medication I gave you, take that regularly. Perfect. So it numbed me quite a bit. Not so much that I didn't feel, but I definitely was able to respond more robotically than (laughs) I would have had I not been on those medications. But it, it really helped me and it did get me through. So. That's how I got to, okay, here we are with a higher dosage of the depression medication and you have these anxiety medication. Let me give you extra refills because we're going to get you through this. So long story short, my husband and me worked through that. I think it was, it's also important to mention that we were working on getting back together. And during this time, I suffered a couple of miscarriages as well, which did not do well for my anxiety and depression either. So I still used it as a crutch, this anxiety pill. I said, okay, you know, I'm starting to get amped up. So let's just take an anxiety pill. Let's not deal with the problem. Let's just take an anxiety pill and then feel better about it. So I I found myself doing that. Life stabilized for quite some time and things were going good. Me and my husband worked through things. Uh, We went on to have another child. And during that time, I went off the anxiety medication completely because I couldn't be on it when I was pregnant. And so we were good to go. 2016 came around and I was having some really... um, rough GI issues. And it was kind of coming to a head when I went to an appointment with a surgeon who was going to just do a small repair on an internal hernia that I had in my intestines. And I walked in there and I happened to be, have a flare up or something that day. And I was in a lot of pain. So he said, you know, you're in too much pain and I don't think we should wait for surgery. Go to the ER. So I go to the ER because apparently there's a specialist down there that's going to see me and take care of me. I'm with him for maybe five minutes and he's like, nope, we got to do surgery, emergency surgery right now. And this is the funny story I like to say. And I I know all moms out there will like this story. I told him, oh no, I'm sorry. I can't have surgery today. Like I have three kids and a husband like with a job. So, and I have like a a work, so I need to go home and make sure they're taken care of. And I have to make sure like my work's covered and my husband has days off. And the doctor looked at me and said, okay, let me put it like this. If you leave here, there's a chance you could die because I think that what we're dealing here is is with a complete bowel obstruction. And I was like, oh, so I can't come back like in a couple of days. He's like, no, you cannot leave here. And I was like, okay. So here I was, I was gonna have emergency surgery. I'm thinking, okay, I'll be in and out. I'm going to be home tomorrow. This is going to be fine. We'll just get my parents to come out for the night. My husband will come here. It's going to be fine. Well, I woke up. I remember being taken into surgery and they strapped me down. The only thing I can compare it to is the Vitruvian man. Well, he's strapped down with like, you know, I'm just like strapped down and I'm shaking from anxiety so bad. And I know that they gave me a little something before putting me under. And then I was under and I came out of surgery and I had a NG tube, uh, which goes, you know, down your nose and into your intestines and I didn't eat for, you know, four or five days. I was in the hospital, checked in. The only thing I took orally were my daily medications. And I had my daily anxiety, or my, sorry, my daily depression medication. And then I had that old prescription that said, take one to two times a day as needed for anxiety. Well, 
the chart the nurses read that as give this to her two times a day. So they did. I'm not sure how anxious I was looking. I was on so much pain medication that I was asleep. So it wasn't necessary at that point, but I was taking it around the clock, morning and night. I took my anxiety pills. So when I left the hospital about five days later, I kept taking my pills because at that point I was on pain medication regardless. So I just kept taking my anxiety pills. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. It says two times a day, forget the as needed, just keep taking it. So I did. And I think when I said to you, I don't recall ever coming off of them before I had another issue where that that surgery that had just been done in that May, I believe of 2016 came apart inside of me completely. So I had to have surgery again in September to repair all the hernias from that. I'm going to call it botched. I'm I'm not a doctor, but I'm going to say botched first surgery. (laughs) I'm going to call it what it is. And I had just, I came out of that one within the hospital for a couple of days and I still was on this, this anxiety medication. And I just took it all of the time and I caught myself and I remember this point where I was starting to have feelings (laughs) and I get done. I'm like, I'm at home, I'm recovering. And I remember I'm like, oh, I'm starting to feel something. I don't even remember what the feeling was, anger, sadness, anxiety. But I went to the medicine cabinet and took a pill. And during that, I was like, you are not dealing with your feelings. You're literally just taking a pill. And I was like, huh. I I mean, I still took the pill at that time, but it definitely was like, I caught myself in that moment standing there holding my pills and thinking, I don't have to feel whatever emotion I'm feeling at this moment. I can just take a pill. So that's where I was kind of where I realized that I, I was not even dealing with my life at that point or anything that had happened. I was just medicating myself to get through. So that's kind of where I got to where I was at that point. How long did it take you to wean yourself off of these medications once you got to that point? Well, every time that was another thing is that I felt terrible. I felt like shit if I got off the medication. Um, I felt like I had the flu. I would I remember this one time I was walking through the store, the grocery store, and I was like, Oh, I think I'm getting like the stomach flu or something. Like I was dizzy and nauseous and I was like, Oh, I haven't taken my medicine today. Went home, took my medicine, problem solved. So it took some time, but at the same time, I was kind of, my husband and me had been previously uh, Catholic. We were married in a Catholic church and everything. And we had started going to a Christian church. And I remember we were, I was trying to get immersed in the group because I really wanted to learn as much about the religion to see if that was, I mean, I know Christian and Catholic are the same thing pretty much, but this church, I wanted to see if it was a fit for me. So I was very involved. That's how I learn if I want to be involved in something is I just immerse myself and then decide if it's a good idea. Here I was in all these meetings and people were talking about how God did change them their lives. And so I kind of tested God and I know you should never do that, but I made a deal with him privately. And I said, okay, what if instead of taking medicine, every time I feel anxious, I pray. And that's how I made a turning point to not turn to the medicine. That's what it took for me to not make that change where I was going to do something else besides take medicine. And I think maybe uh, at least a month or so before I was able to come off of it completely. And is it something once the the feelings had subsided, did you at that point, what did you do to start dealing with your anxiety? Did you get a different medication? Obviously your, your, your depression medicine is different than anxiety medication. So how did you learn to deal with that anxiety so you didn't feel the need to take a medicine for it? So I did get into running and I doing something for myself and running was so therapeutic for me. 
going for a run gave me the same effect as being, you know, on that medication. And so I, it was like, you know, I think that a lot of times when you find that you are addicted to something, you kind of fill the void of that addiction with something else. And I did fill it with running. I can't say though, that I don't fall back on that same dependency on that medication. Um, I believe it was in 2019. So I still, you know, that was 2016, maybe, maybe later, I don't know, 2018. I reached out to my doctor because, you know, I was starting to feel really anxious again. And I was like, you know, what really helped me. Apparently I didn't learn my lesson the first time. <laughs> Let's go back on that medication. And when I reached out to the doctor for that medication, their assistant called me back and said, oh, we can't prescribe that one for you, but we can give you something else. And I said, okay, well, why though? Can't you give that to me? Can you have the doctor call me back? I didn't understand if you, I was on this for so long, why can't you give it to me? And they said, oh, we actually don't prescribe that anymore because it can cause Alzheimer's and dementia in long-term use. And at this same t- at that same time, my, my grandmother was suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia. So I was like, cool. Well, so now I'm like, I've been on this medication, a lot of this medication. And I'm also genetically disposed to it as well. So that was kind of... Uh, an eye opener. But um, I can't say that I don't take my anxiety medication as needed now. Uh, but I definitely there's extra thought that goes into it. Instead of just what I was doing before going through the motions with it. Right. Looking back on it now, is there something that you feel like you could have done differently? Or is it something you just you wanted to be numb in the moment? I think I was in a state of trying to survive like the, the, the affair and everything happened with the miscarriages and that, that was a state of like, I was just trying to survive. So I think that that was, I think that there could have been different ways to deal with that (laughs) than to just take medication. Um, and I think that if I hadn't previously had a psychiatrist on hand because of my, my prior depression, I don't, it wouldn't have been as easy for me to just, you know, go to the doctor and say, you know, I'm going through this. They wouldn't have just said, here's anxiety medication. I don't, I would hope not, but I had access to it. And so it was easy for me to get it. And then I would have to keep it on hand. Even having it on hand made me feel less anxious. I didn't even have to take it. Just knowing I had it made me feel better. That's crazy. Like, what advice could you give to maybe potentially somebody like another mother or just really anybody who is feeling that anxiety to maybe deal with it a different way than to take the medication? I think that there are going to be circumstances where maybe maybe you do need a little extra help, but there are ways to calm down your own anxiety, whether it's through breathing or through self-talk. Mine's through a lot of self-talk. I have to talk myself out of it and talk about how, because it can be the littlest thing that triggers me. And I have to realize that that is what my trigger is. I'm not going to fall apart because of this one issue. I'm still going to survive. I'm still going to live. And so it's a lot of self-talk, but you know, people teach breathing techniques and whatnot. It just wasn't a fit for me. Exercise has been a fit for me and, um, self like positive self-talk. Like, uh, like self-affirmations. No, not, not just, just me. I guess it's like not even positive, but just logical thinking because a lot of anxiety, when you're having an anxiety attack, it's not logical. Uh, you can say, um, well, at least mine aren't. Um, some people have, you know, uh, fears about, like natural catastrophes and, um, but you have to realize what, where that fear comes from. For example, um, this is a really random fear that I have, but not fear, but, uh, I don't like throw up. And if someone vomits around me, it sends me 
into a tailspin of anxiety. But I have to realize my world is not going to end because someone throws up. It's just the lack of control that I have in that moment of what can happen is what if they get sick? What if I get sick? And it's, I have to calm myself down and come from a logical place of what is actually going to happen. If a Jessica, you get sick, nothing's going to happen. You're just going to get sick and you're going to get through it. B, if your kids get sick, they're going to get through it and it's not the end of the world. So that's where I have to talk to myself about the logistics behind it instead of, oh my gosh, we're sick and I'm out of control. That makes sense. Do you, even though you're still taking your anxiety medication, a different prescription now, do you have that fear of going back to being dependent on it like you were? For sure. Absolutely. Um, And I think that even when I go to my medicine box that I have every morning to take my depression medication, I don't necessarily like that I do that and that I have to do it, but I'm not willing to go off of that. Um, That's something I've been on since I was 15 years old and I know what I feel like on it. I know what I feel like off of it, but I do get that same kind of trigger of going to the medicine box to deal with life kind of thing. It's, it's so there has been other things that have come up where my doctor will want to prescribe me mood stabilizers. And that is terrifying to me to even introduce something else. It's like, And at some point I think to myself, is this helpful to me in a way that I need it? Or do I need to figure out an outlet that's not medication that's going to work for me? And I just, and I sometimes, especially knowing that I was so dependent on that medication, I really need to find an outlet that works for me other than just going to the medicine box. Do you have any final words for, to help somebody, any kind of anything that you could give somebody that might work for them that. Because it's not a one size fits all, right? It's kind of everybody is different and every what works for me might not work for you. So do you have any any more advice you could give somebody? Um, I think that A, taking medication for, for me at least, if, if, it, if you need to take it, it, it's okay. I'm an advocate for mental health and I think it's important if it's needed. This is not an anti-medication um, ploy by me because (laughs) Lord knows I need it Uh, and I'm still on it, but, um, it is not the end all be all and that no medication can make you medication should not make you not deal with life because that's not living either. And I think it's important to deal with emotions and life as it comes up. Otherwise you're going to catch yourself in the cycle of not dealing with it. And it's still going to be waiting for you when the medicine wears off. That is a very uh, valid point. And I think that's where a lot of people fall into the traps of addiction, right? And, And substance abuse, whether it be drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, is they're trying to, you know, get away from something. So it's always, no matter how much you try to numb it, it's still going to be there in the end, right? It's always waiting for you. <laughs> well, Jessica, thanks for coming on and telling your story. I, I'm glad to feel, you know, I'm glad to see that you're doing better. And again, this isn't your traditional addiction story, but it's still a story to remind everybody out there that anybody can get addicted to any substance, whether it be a prescription medication that you're prescribed from your doctor that you're taking as prescribed, or it's something that you're abusing. Either way, it's still you know, it can happen to anybody. And that's the that's the whole point of the series is to, to just to remind everybody that it can happen to anybody. Jessica was, you know, a woman going through her life and 
you know, she had some traumatic experiences and it, and it just so happened that she had access to something to try to take that edge off. And, you know, she felt like she had lost her way for a minute and it happens to the best of us and it happens. It's just a part of life. So Jessica, seriously, thank you for coming on. And I hope that you have found yourself in a better place now and that you are able to manage your anxiety better, right? Yes. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for letting me talk about it. We leave you now with this episode of Addicted. Just remember that there are many people out there struggling with addiction issues. And for every one person who finds sobriety, there are millions out there who haven't overcome this demon known as addiction. Thank you for listening to Addicted.